está ocurriendo en la Tierra, por el amor de Dios? What on earth are you doing for heaven's sake? A small magnet with those words on a church organ caught my eyes years ago when I was a boy. The words written on it have stayed with me ever since. It wasn't just a humorous play on words, but it's a lingering question that should motivate all of us to expect great things from God while attempting great things for God. I'm your host, Phil, an ordinary guy living with his family in South Africa. One of my heroes is Barnabas, an ordinary guy from Cyprus, the son of encouragement, as he was called. My family and I love the work we do here in South Africa and to the people God led us to love and learn from. And my desire through this podcast is simply to encourage others laboring around the world reaching people I cannot reach with creative methods or unusual skills far different than mine. To simply reach out in a casual way through conversations, highlighting their efforts and lives to you who listen in so you might learn more about the work going on for God in so many different and unusual ways. It might be educational, entertaining, or even edgy, but it is all for the glory of God. What on earth are you doing for heaven's sake? Let's find out the answer to that question with our guest today. My guest on this episode is Daryl Templeton. Daryl, thank you so much for making yourself available today. I really appreciate it. No, it's great, Phil. We've been trying for a couple of times, and it's uh, finally we got our schedules to match. This is great. Transoceanic conversations are so easy these days, but schedules still aren't, so we make the best of it. I'd love for you to introduce yourself to our listeners on this episode and just give us some background about yourself and your family, where you are, uh, your faith background, and anything else you'd like to throw in there. I'm a second-generation missionary is the way I see myself, and so uh, my parents were pioneer missionaries to Brazil with New Tribes Mission. And I was born and raised in Brazil. Portuguese was my my mother tongue. I um, my parents wanted me to learn English, so they shipped me off to boarding school at the age of eight. Because as a kid, um, they would talk to me in English if there were no Brazilians around, but I'd always only answer them in Portuguese, because that uh, they were the only ones that spoke that strange other language. Grew up on a at a boarding school in Brazil. Then at a young age of 16, I started traveling around South America and learned Spanish in the other countries. And so i fairly fluent in both of those. And then when I went off to Bible school and college uh, in the U.S., I then tried to learn English and, and get rid of my accent. So I was a communications major And my teacher said uh, she would give me a Midwestern accent. And so she worked hard on me uh, to get rid of my my Brazilian accent, the little bit that I did have. Married now 34 years, have four grown children, uh, have the privilege of working with Mega Voice now a little over 10 years directly, and uh, have traveled to over 75 countries. Wow. um, Working with sharing God's word so people can it and understand it in their own heart language. And so that's the exciting thing that uh, really uh, motivates me every day. 
I have been eagerly awaiting this chance to blitz you with a lot of questions because I actually came across your organization a few years ago um, here in South Africa at the Association of Christian Media, the, the manual conference in Johannesburg. And because I'm a gadget guy, a, a dongle cord, USB, Bluetooth-powered guy, um, I love the notion of audio recording and, and combining that, obviously, with missions outreach here on our continent. But uh, I was fascinated by this because... I came up with a phrase here that uses the celestial sun to introduce people to the eternal sun, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. So you are the vice mm. president of strategic partnerships with Mega Voice, and I would love for you to just explain the journey of how you got involved with Mega Voice. What was it that appealed to you about that uh, that ministry, and, and how did really your your upbringing and your background and your training prepare you for what you do now? That's a, that's a great question, Phil. So um, I like to say God's word with God's power. He provides the power both spiritually and physically for the solar power. Um, and um, that's the power unto salvation, right, is God's power. So Amen. anyway, yeah, what got me involved? Um, I was the vice president, uh, international director at a ministry called ICM. International Cooperating Ministries, uh, with doing uh, pastor-teacher development in rural areas around the world, so throughout Africa, India, Central South America, uh, and Asia, and Central Asia. So we were uh, doing that mostly via shortwave radio and cassettes. And at that time, then I became aware of Mega Voice, and I was really skeptical. This is going back nearly 17 years ago. And um, yeah, when I saw the first Mega Voice, this is the old ambassador, so it's kind of you know like a a little brick. Um, and I was thinking, yeah, well, maybe this would work or not. Solar power, you know, what's all this about? And so. I bought 20 of them and tried it. And within a month, I was completely convinced that this was going to transform our ministry in the way we did it. And so we then became Mega Voice's number one partner. I was buying and distributing a thousand Mega Voice units every month. Wow. And it was and is the best discipleship tool I know of. Um, and I keep looking. And I'll go to a missions conference, Phil, uh, and I've stood up at a large missions conference in Thailand with uh, nearly, I would say, you know, uh, what was it, 400 different mission groups and organizations. And I gave, I threw out the challenge. I said, is there anyone here that can tell me or show me a better discipleship tool for the majority world. I've got a hundred dollar bill in my pocket, and I, when I travel overseas, I'll I keep a hundred dollar bill just in case of emergencies. And I said, I've got a hundred dollar bill here, and it's yours if you can show or tell me of a better discipleship tool for the majority world. And there's been complete silence. Uh, there was, and um. I have now given that challenge oh, at probably 12, 14 other international conferences since then. 
And I've only had one taker. And that was in Mexico. A guy came up to me, a missionary came up to me. He says, Daryl, are you for real on that offer? I said, yes, I am. He says, you really will give me $100 if I can tell you or show you a, what's better than one mega voice. I said, absolutely. He said, okay, are you ready? I said, I'm ready. He said, two mega voices. You said, what's better than one mega voice? I tell you, two. And then he says, no, no, you keep your $100. I'm just kidding. But yeah, no one. That's the only person in probably the last seven years that has even come up to me and said, hey, I think of maybe a better discipleship tool. And the reason Mega Voice is the best discipleship tool I know of is because faith comes by hearing, yeah. hearing the Word of God. And it provides um, that hearing of God's Word in people's heart languages and the teaching of God's Word in a way that people can hear it, understand it, and be transformed by it. Almost anywhere in the world, any conditions, we have... Um, uh, Eskimo Indians, you know, American Indians in the Arctic Circle of Alaska that use mega voice players. And one of them left it outside uh, in minus 40 to 50 degrees. And they reported back to me that uh, after three days, it kind of got buried in the snow. Uh, they found it and they said, you know what? It still works. Yeah. So from freezing cold to the Sahara Desert heat, these little missionaries are just a powerful way to be able to share God's word and the teaching of God's word anywhere, anytime. And that's the other main thing uh, is, you know, the three most important things about teaching. Uh, I mean, you're trying to teach your kids or, you know, the pastor's trying to teach. Well, the three most important things about teaching are repetition, repetition, and repetition. And that's what the mega voice provides. See, oral learner, I'm one. We have to hear things six to nine times before we can begin to internalize it. I think for me being it's probably 12. But anyway, right. um, the beautiful thing is, you know, the that mega voice player does not get tired of repeating over and over the same message or the same uh, chapter of scripture, the same teaching. And that provides to the oral learners like myself that opportunity to engage with God's word again and again and again in a way that speaks to our heart. I'll tell you one quick story. You know, um, I, I get to, to share God's word all over, like I said, and uh, I was at a conference for North Africa and met a, a very intelligent fellow there from Holland who was at this North Africa conference and excellent English. Um, he spoke Dutch, he spoke German, he spoke French. And um, I said, so, you know, where are you from? And he says, I'm from North Africa. I said, so, you know, well, what country? And he says, well, I'm from Algeria. I said, well, what is your heart language? He says, well, I speak Arabic. I said, yeah, I know. But many people from Algeria also speak, you know, the heart language. He says, well, what's your heart language? And he says, well, I, I, I'm Kabili. I said, oh, wow. I said, just about 30 minutes ago, I got the Kabili audio Bible. And it's true. I mean, I just had received it for this conference. 
and it had just been completed, and I just had downloaded it onto a Mega Voice player literally about 30 minutes before he walked up. And I was excited about it, so I whipped it out because I don't understand Kobe Lee, of course. And I turned it on, and here this well-educated doctor who speaks fluently like six, seven languages, when he heard God's word in his heart language for the first time, if someone were watching from a short distance, they would have thought maybe someone shot him. He just crumpled to his knees and began weeping, uh-huh. sobbing. Hallelujah. For when he, when he heard God speak in his heart language, and it was, and I, the emotions, and I, then I crumpled, I fell down on my knees next to him, and I'm just crying tears of joy as well to just see the power of God's Word when people hear it in their heart language. The numbers speak for themselves that we have, what, 4 billion non-literate learners. We have people with, uh, with impairment where reading is just not uh, uh, an option for them. And it's this marvelous juxtaposition of leading technology. You know, we're, we're familiar now with, with, uh, with recorders that require no moving parts. You know, we came through that whole evolution of MP3 players and solid state and all that kind of thing. But you're, you're talking about a device that is now bridging a massive gap worldwide, I mean, even here on the African continent. Um, illiteracy and and halted education is the norm. You know, it's it's de facto. Kids in South Africa, for instance, are allowed to drop out of school after the tenth grade, and many do. And so, for something like this to reinforce constantly, as you say, through repetition, uh, the Word of God and the teachings that can be downloaded, it must be an absolutely stunning tool. It is. It is, and it's and it's a joy to just have a small part in that, and so to to be able to share that with everyone, basically, you know, because it's the statistics show us that only about 13% prefer to learn by reading. Okay, only 13%. The rest, well, first of all, we're all born oral learners. And uh, even the deaf, the deaf are considered oral learners because they don't learn or by reading Mega Voice is now launching its first Bible for the deaf, which is a video Bible, wow. which is very exciting as well. But anyway, the the major, we're all born oral learners. Reading and writing are not essential to becoming a believer. If it were, Jesus would have written something. And the only thing he did write, we're still arguing about maybe what it was, but he didn't want us to, I think, had he we would, that would become an idol. And so he didn't. And we have, uh, right from the start, translations and adaptations. So from what Jesus said, what did Jesus speak? Well, he spoke in Aramaic. What's the New Testament? It's in Greek. So right there we have our first translation. What kind of Greek was it? Well, we call it Koine Greek because that was the common man's Greek. What was the first translation? Well, we call it the Vulgate. Again, it was the vulgar Latin. It was the common man's language. So again, to only really within the last 400 years has the written word of God been brought into a prominence so that you know we can have it. But still, the majority of the church historically has been, is, and probably always will be illiterate, the majority. 
And so for them, it has to be an audio. It has to be an oral strategy. I want to go just even before we go a little bit further, I think it's appropriate really to go back uh, back up quite a bit and say, what is it we're talking about here? Because so far we've described the product in broad strokes, but I want you to be detailed. What is the Mega Voice product? And I think that'll help then the listeners latch on to what we're talking about. I, I think let's go ahead and hit, what is it we're holding in our hand? Okay, the Mega Voice player that if they, had a, if they could see me right now, I've got one around my neck. So the Mega Voice player... Um, is about the third the size and weight of most cell phones today. So it is uh, quite small. It is solar powered. It is shock resistant, heat resistant to 150 degrees Fahrenheit. That's about uh, 62, I think, Celsius. Um, And it's water resistant. So it's made to last on the mission field. The keypad is um, what we call tactile. So it is intuitive for even a blind person can operate it. They can feel the buttons and navigate the whole Bible through books and chapters and verses. And um, we have some 10 different models of different players for different applications and different needs in different areas. So But the most popular ones, the one I'm kind of describing, is a small little pocket-sized device. And it goes by a lot of names in different places. Um, Some people call it the uh, pocket Bible. Um, Other people call it uh, the little pastor. Uh, Throughout the Amazon, it is known as the little pastor. Many people know it as the messenger or the compass, the navigator. So we work with different ministries that call it different things. So a lot of the people call it the God pod. We don't really care uh, what they call it. The important thing is that they use it. Uh, the other thing I like to say, Phil, and uh, is that at Mega Voice, we try to be the best donkey possible. You know, when, Jeru- in, when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday and the crowds went wild and, you know, saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It would really be stupid for that donkey to think that it was about him. Yeah. And in a similar way, at Mega Voice, we just try to be the best donkey possible to take Jesus where he needs to go. But we know it's not about the donkey. It's about Jesus and taking him safely, securely where he needs to go. And the story of that vehicle, the story of that donkey is, a, is an amazing one. And we don't have to rehearse the entire thing here. I really do want to point listeners to the Mega Voice website. Um, there's a, a tremendous history. I've read every word of it uh, about um, where it was born. But I, I at least want to just say that, you know, the, the early, the beginnings of this are fascinating. Would you just run us through, uh, in, just in summary, kind of where this this uh, this journey began in Australia with uh a gentleman named Tom who had a dream and and had an idea that wasn't yeah. even possible yet. Take us through that. Right. Well, Tom Tresseter, uh, bless his heart, he's still with us. He's he's a our really visionary founder, and uh, in Australia, he uh, was working with the Bible Society in Australia, distributing Bibles, and he went to an Aborigine village, and to give a Bible, and lo and behold. Uh, the guy said, oh, no, I got one, got one last year. And he brings it down off the shelf, and it's still in the wrapper. 
And Tom is like, well, and the guy was willing to accept another Bible. And Tom, why, you know, and that was kind of the first time that it dawned on him. uh, Here's a guy that's all about Bibles and getting people to Bible. But that was really the first time it really kind of dawned on him that there are people that don't read or can't read or simply won't read. Um, And so that started uh, his journey. And shortly thereafter, he went to a car dealership and the, uh, you know, the car, when he got in it, um, the car told him to put his seatbelt on. And he then took his daughter to a little birthday party. And one of the gifts that someone gave was a little Barbie that talked. And he thought, well, if they can make a car talk and they can make a, a little doll talk, we should be able to make the Bible talk. And the Lord gave him this, what he came up with was the impossible list of what this Bible would be. And it had to be self-sufficient. It had to be solar powered. It had to be vermin proof, virtually indestructible. And he sketched out on a napkin. What and we still have that picture of, uh, and it's on our website of kind of what that first, what it would, you know, a digital audio Bible would look like. And you have to remember, this is uh, over 30 years ago now, and there was no such thing as MP3. There was no thing such thing as a an iPod. Right. Right. And this a decade, a decade before an MP3 player hit the market. He envisioned an audio Bible and basically what little MP3 players are today. But we never, at Mega Voice, never had a, a commercial vision or thinking commercially. It was all about the gospel and the mission. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking maybe they wish they had been a little commercial and then that could be funding um, all the mission work. But anyway, we missed that opportunity. In the meantime, we get to share God's word with people uh we're we're passing we're we just passed the 2.5 million mark of uh audio bibles distributed oh praise the lord so yeah so definitely by um mid if we're on track by mid uh 2021 we'll pass the 3 million audio bible mark but that's still a drop in the bucket that's when right. you think of the need um when you think of Africa, you think so. I love this opportunity just to let people know, hey, this is available. Please come and, and join us. Uh, first of all, in prayer, there's huge needs. One of the the big needs, Phil, is audio scriptures. How many languages and dialects are there? They say that there's probably about thirteen thousand mm. dialects. Okay. Arabic, for instance, the Arabic that's spoken in Lebanon is very different from the Arabic in Algeria, which is different from Tunisia, which is different from Yemen. And so everyone kind of wants their own dialect of Arabic. Um, but we say it's all Arabic. So for those different dialects, so when you count the dialects, um, you know, 13,000. And yet, Audio scriptures, how many languages do you believe we have the Bible available in? I'm hoping you'll tell us. The sad thing is it's only available in about 150 languages. Wow. Only. We have the New Testament now in about 1,400 
languages, just the New Testament. And so there's a huge amount of work that needs to be done. And so one of the things that we've done, we just, the, the people that are doing recording just can't keep up with the demand um, at, at what they have been doing. So we've started now also doing recording of audio scriptures. We've got studios in India, which is the country with the largest population need of audio scriptures. And we've got some 32 languages lined up that have uh, very low literacies. All of these, the Bible has been translated, but basically it's been a closed book for the majority of the population, and we need to get those recorded. And so that's just another huge need uh, that we're involved with, is getting scriptures so people can hear them and understand them in their own language. Uh, the other thing I mentioned was uh, sign language. There's over 400 different sign languages in the world. And right now there's a Bible translation and scripture teaching going on in 44 of those languages. So only about 10%, but we have uh, developed the Envision Bible, which is for the deaf. And so we're working with uh, Deaf Missions, uh, Dora Ministries International, uh, Deaf Harbor, and the Deaf Bible Society to try to get um, deaf Bibles for the, the deaf community, which is, well, in America and most countries, it is the largest unreached and unengaged people group. So in, in just America, let's talk America here, because that's the one I know of, uh, we have fewer percentage-wise believers among the deaf than there are in India. Wow. Percentage-wise. Right. So it is a larger unreached uh, people group right here in America. And that's true also for England and Canada and, and other places in Germany. Um, huge, you know, uh, unreached people group right within our, our, our own borders. So yeah, it's, uh, it's exciting. Um, and fortunately we serve a big God because, uh, the, the harvest fields are wide unto harvest, you know, pray the Lord of the harvest. And so, I love this opportunity to just come on with you to share so that people can, number one, like I said, pray for us, pray for the work uh, so that people can hear. And, and I say here also for the deaf, because their sign language is a way of hearing and understanding God's word in their heart language. To imagine that someone listening to this um, loves technology, loves the word of God, has seen themselves in a non-traditional missions context, imagine if someone like that the Lord would use to become a mobile recording unit, going to some of these remote places, uh, spending weeks with um, simple equipment, you don't need much, uh, and no. begin to, trans to, to capture and preserve and archive um, um, entire languages, the, the Word of God, the New Testament, the Old Testament, and then once that's accomplished to move on. I, I just was sitting here as, as I was hearing you describe this process that you know, you grew up in a very a specific sort of missional way. Your folks were of a generation, and my folks were of a generation where that had a certain look and flavor to it. Um, but imagine now uh, sending out new troops, new labors into a, an electronic and into a technological harvest where this is such a big need. And, and, and let's be honest, many of the folks that are out there in the work now, a lot of our older missionaries, 
um, this thought would would daunt them. It would be very um, it would be very intimidating, you know, technology and recording and takes and recording software and and all that sort of thing. But it would be, I think, stunning to see a new uh, sweep of of young people and 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 singles and married folk who would say, "This is our thing. We're into radio and television. We're into video." <laughs> Uh, we we love computing power and and all that sort of stuff and we'd see that done. Wouldn't that be amazing? It would be, and we would love for them to join us. Um, we can actually get a New Testament recorded in two weeks. Wow. Okay. The a New Testament only takes twenty to twenty five hours, depending on the language. That's the average twenty to twenty five hours to listen to it. Okay. So when you're doing a, a good recording, the way we've, we've set things up, and that is don't use just one voice. What we have found is to, you need at least three different voices. And if you're using three different voices and you've got a technician that doesn't even have to speak the language, and that's your missionaries that you're talking about, you know, that they understand the technical side of the recording. They don't have to understand the language. But then working with the nationals and that missionary that helped with the translation that can make sure that it, it goes well. The recording part, can you can get New Testament recorded in about two weeks. That's the best that we can do, usually. Um, average, I would say, is about two months. But it can be done in two weeks. Yeah. And so, you know, um, and just to think, a whole nation, a whole people group, all of a sudden now God's word becomes available to them. One other quick little story, because I, I, I could tell stories all day here with us, but anyway, well, another quick one. stories. Well, in Uganda, we were part of a project. The Bible had been translated, uh, faithful missionaries there uh, over a couple of generations finished the Bible in the Kigali language um, in 1986. They printed 5,000 Bibles. When I went there in, uh, let's see, this was back in 2014. So it's been a while now. Um, they still had Bibles on the shelf. Over half of the Bibles still in boxes on the shelf. And they had been asking a couple of the other organizations to please come and do a recording of the Bible. And uh, one of the organizations uh, said that it, they would be on a three-year waiting list. And they said, we can't wait three years. And so they reached out to Megavoice and they said, can you please help us? Well, Megavoice at the time wasn't doing recording, but I had a recording radio background and had overseen uh, productions. So I went, helped set up a studio. And over a two week period, we trained the nationals on how they could do the recording. Uh, jump forward now several months, once the recording is done, and people start hearing God's word in their language for the first time. All of a sudden, the demand for those uh, nearly 3,000 Bibles, just everyone wanted a Bible. And so they then are, we're looking at a reprint uh, because the demand of people wanting a paper Bible. And it became then a literacy tool because when we, when I got there, uh, pastors told me that their best guess was probably only about a 2% literacy. And they said also that they didn't know of any women or ladies, young girls that could read. That was just a, 
something males could do in only about 2% of the population. Stunning. Now, all of a sudden, once we got the audio done, they could listen and they had a little bit of education enough that they could kind of follow along. And it became a literacy tool for them to learn to read. So it, it elevated the value of the paper Bible so much. And so this is what we see over and over again. The audio, it's not an either or. It's not, well, people aren't going to want the Bible. What we see is the exact opposite. Once they have the audio, they even more want the paper Bible. And so we're part of projects, some 30 projects in the Vanuatu Islands that they release the audio before the paper Bible. And they have seen that this helps in the translation process, speeds it up, and it raises the demand and the hunger for the paper Bible. And so instead of trying to push people to uh, do literacy because you need to read the Bible, what they have are people that want literacy because they want to read the Bible. Yeah. And so it becomes, instead of a push, a pull, and uh, it's been very effective. So it's, it's very exciting. As I'm reading through and, and read through um, in preparation for this, I think one of the key words that really popped out was partnerships. God has brought uh, men along the path. Um, I wrote down just Ken Crowell and Alan McGurl and Harold Kent. These were early names that, that all each in their own way brought something to this journey uh, along with Tom. And I'm sure that you see this even in the present day with mission agencies, with uh, Bible societies, with technology. With I, I'm, I'm sure it's fascinating to see how God brings and coordinates in his sovereignty these wonderful on, uh, rendezvous of, of opportunity to, to provide Bibles and teaching resources. Um, how have you seen that in your time with Megavoice? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Megavoice is nothing without its partners. We're, we're nothing. It's, you know, it's like I said, it's not about the donkey. Um, it's about the, the message. It's about the, the messenger, uh, Jesus Christ and his word. So if it weren't for all the Bible societies doing the translation and doing the recordings and the missionaries that are actually doing the, the distribution, we, we really could do nothing. We're really a small team of people that try to empower the church with a tool that helps get God's word where it needs to go. You know, I think back of the Gutenberg Press. You know, before the Gutenberg Press and before Gutenberg, um, the Bible was only for a few very, very wealthy people. Right. Um, you know, the equivalent would be today, I think in today's terms, you know, a Bible would be worth, uh, a cheap one would be maybe forty to $60,000. Well, not very many people are going to be able to afford that. And so he made it affordable so that more people, but even then it was at first for the first 50, 80 years, it was only the church that could have a Bible and the majority of the population were illiterate. And then a few wealthy people could afford their own Bible. And fortunately, uh, now I think of, you know, the digital era, this is like new Gutenberg press making the Bible again, through technology, available to more people. What would be the question that you would wish people would ask you about Megavoice or maybe about your role? What, what is it that you love or, or maybe dislike? Um, what is it that, what's the question you don't like to hear or do like to hear um, as you have traveled extensively and, 
and um, uh, and, 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 you know, being a voice for um, your ministry and that, uh, take us through some of that. Okay. One of the questions I love getting is why should I even consider mega voice? I mean, doesn't everyone have a cell phone? Can't they get the Bible on the cell phone? And, um, I, I love getting this question. I'll be at a conference and, uh, you know, pastor or even, you know, uh, a, a funder, a potential donor will say, well, you know, why do they need a mega voice? Don't they have cell phones? And I say, okay. I said, well, let's compare. And I have my mega voice and I'll turn it on. And then uh, I'll ask for their phone and they'll hand me their phone. And then I'll take the, my mega voice and I'll throw it 15 feet up in the air or 12 feet up in the air, depending on the, the conference center place, and then just let it come crashing to the floor. And they quickly grab their phone back from my hand. I said, whoa, 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 you didn't want me to compare them? So just the durability test. I mean, you know, mega voice is so much dura more durable. The other thing is, I mean, when you really look at it, the phone, um, we've tried it. We thought uh, several years ago the phone would be even more a predominant place for getting, helping rid Bible illiteracy. But what we have found over and over again is the phone is not a good Bible listening tool. What happens is um, the phone is very individual. They're not going to share it. So they're not going to do it in a group. It's usually never loud enough. The other problem is with distractions. The phone, they'll be listening to something maybe, and there'll be an interruption, a text, a phone call, and it loses where they were listening. And it'll take them 15 to 20 minutes to go back and try to find where it was where they left off. And what happens is this only happens three or four times and they give up because it just is so frustrating to try to listen to scriptures on the phone. We, we tried. We thought it was, you know, it'd be a whole lot less expensive to provide SD cards on phones. But the truth is, it usually just does not work. And um, so that's a, a good question that I get. And there's other things. So people don't share a phone. The problem is also powering the phone in many places. The other big issue is getting God's word onto the cell phone. Most places, it's only available as, uh, you know, not a download, but streaming online, like version. You can stream God's Word, so that means you have to have a data plan. That's right. That means you have to have, yeah, uh, you right. know, connectivity, and that usually doesn't happen. Correct. And then, so, um, you know, we, I've, we tested it, we've tried it, uh, seen it. And the truth is there's only one country that I know that good discipleship is happening via cell phones. And, and that's Iran. And that's because there just isn't a lot of other options. And there's been some good training and relationships that has happened. So the people there are trained to, when they're going to do Bible listening, Bible study, they put their phone on uh, airplane mode, so they're not going to have those distractions. That's part of the training. And then there's relationship and accountability where they, you know, keep each other accountable. Okay, this is what we're going to study. This is what we're going to do. 
Um, and next time when we get together for tea, let's talk about it. And if you have that, then it works. But that's uh, unfortunately most places that just doesn't happen. Um, so another great question that I get is, well, why not MP3 players? You know, they're cheaper. Then again, navigation is a big issue. That's a, a big issue also for cell phones. To be able to navigate, you know, i.e. turn the pages in your Bible. You can do that on a mega voice player. You can find the passages. It's very hard to do uh, on an SD card on a phone um, with the interruptions. And on an MP3 player, it's also difficult. And then there's the durability issues. And then the commercial issues. So before I discovered mega voice, I had tested about seven different MP3 players. And we're testing them in the field. And what we found was even the $40 expensive MP3 players were not lasting even a year. And the other problem was they weren't solar powered. So the issue of powering them was a big issue in most places. But the number one problem that we found was the commercial value. So we had them stolen. We would, you know, the neighbor stole them, the kids stole them, whoever. Um, because they could sell it and use it for, you know, listening to their own music. And so having a secure player that can't be misused for something else is imperative. And so um, that's the big reason why MP3 players just, we they don't work in most places because it'll get stolen, it'll get sold, it'll get used for something else. The durability, the, the, the electricity, um, and the access are huge points here for us, particularly in the South African context. Um, access to uh, electricity is sparse for many folks in our area. Um, and again, theft, uh, particularly in these days with COVID and, and loss of income, is a massive problem here. And so having a, a secure, um, hardy uh, vehicle is absolutely, in my mind, what the doctor ordered. Phil, you know, you, you mentioned about uh, theft and the problem of theft. Well, I'm going to tell you my favorite uh, stealing theft story. We had um, done a audio Bible distribution in Vietnam through one of our partners in Vietnam to pastors in rural little mountain villages. And one of the pastors in this little village came back with this story some seven months after we did the Bible distribution. And he had taken his mega voice and he had put it up on the wall that goes between the homes to charge in the sun. And when he went back that afternoon to get it, it was gone. And he began praying that God would, um, first of all, that whoever stole his mega voice, that God would help them to figure out how to use it. And that they would be transformed by what they heard. And that thirdly, and if possible, God, could I get my mega voice back? Some three months go by and he gets a clap at the gate. Uh, they don't knock on the door there. It's, you know, they clap and he goes out to see who's at his gate. And it's the well-known madam who runs the brothel in his village. And um, she uh, asks if he is the pastor. And he says, yes. In his mind, he says, he was thinking, oh, no, why is she wanting to talk to me? 
she said, yeah, um, I was told that I need to talk to you. And he said, why? And she said, well, um, my family and I have decided to follow Jesus. And we need to know now what to, what to do. What do I do next? And he was skeptical and he said, why have you decided to follow Jesus? And she pulled out from her purse his mega voice player. And he says that he wanted to kind of hear the confession. And he says, well, how did you get that? And her answer to him was, well, one of my good customers paid me with this. And he said it was very precious. And I've been listening to it with my family every day for the last three months. And we know that Jesus is the way. And this pastor through the interpreter told me back, he says, you know, Daryl, he said, in our culture, I could never approach her. In our culture, even if I thought she was interested in the gospel, I could not give her a mega voice. In our culture, God knew that she was ready to hear the good news and how to get it to her in such a way that she would value it and listen to it. And he said that his little church, he had been in that little village seven years and they were only running about 14 adult believers after seven years. Within a few months, they were running over 120. So nearly 20% of the village was filling his little church because this woman became like the Samaritan woman. She started telling everybody then. And um, his, his last I heard, his church was just uh, exploding and sending out missionaries to neighboring villages because this woman had come to faith by listening, just listening to God's word and the teaching of God's word each day. And we know that God's word is powerful and it never returns void. Um, I do want to point out here towards the conclusion of our podcast that, that people can have just about every question they can possibly think of um, answered at megavoice.com. Um, there is a, a plethora of information there. There's wonderful resources. There's a language um, uh, archive there of the languages currently ongoing, how to procure the devices, the different ones. So I want to make sure and just mention that that may be the easiest way um, if you've not heard of this product before, this product line, uh, to go there and, and to become familiar with it and then reach out for your church, for your mission, missionaries, your ministry partners. Um, this is absolutely a, an amazing product. I, I want to just uh, ask another question, um, and that is, um, what would be one of your least favorite questions about the, the company or, the, or, or what you do in particular? I know all of us who have spent time abroad, there sometimes is a as, a, as an understanding divide, let's call it, between those uh, who've grown up someplace and others in other places. But but uh, what's one of the ones that kind of raises your hackles a little bit? And we ask it all in jest, of course. Yeah. How much does it cost? <laughs> How much does it cost? Uh, that, that just bugs me because it's not about the cost. And, you know, you, you know, you meet people that they know the cost of everything but know the value of nothing. Wow. Um, it's not about the cost. It's about the value. You know, you can, I can, I can buy a gospel track for three cents, but it does nobody any good if they can't read it. Right. Um, you know, you can find cheaper ways, you know, a paper Bible, 
uh, we work with the Bible Society in Uganda. Well, paper Bible is cheaper. But what they found in a little survey that they did is they would need about 4,000 paper Bibles to do the equivalent of what one megavoice audio Bible does because there are so few people that are reading. So you'd have to, they would have to distribute 4,000 paper Bibles to have the equivalent of one audio Bible. So what's more expensive? Well, there you say, wow, 4,000 paper Bibles are going to be, of course, more expensive. So you can't look just at the cost um, and help us lower the cost. One, you can do a donation, you know. Uh, secondly, help us make more of them, you know, in the sense it's a law of supply and demand, so to speak. Um, you know, if we were making 100,000 of these a month, then we could have, well, let's say, you know, the, those cheap prices. Uh, but when you're only manufacturing you know, several thousand of them, uh, the cost is, is higher. That's a, it's, you know, the same thing in any manufacturing. And so that's the, the one that irritates me the most uh, because so many people are, get fixated on the cost and they don't see the value. We have our, our mega voice players in the field will last you know, up to 10 years. Most paper Bibles in Africa or, or the Amazon don't last a year. Um, so if you have to replace a paper Bible, you know, every year, then you look, okay, well, the Mega Voice was a better buy and, and so many other things. But anyway. Um, if this is all Mega Voice had done, just this, it would have been amazing and it would have been life-changing and it would have been powerfully influencing all across the world. But I know an organization like yours is looking at the next thing or the next stage or, or phase of ministry and how to be even more effective. Um, if someone browses the website, they'll see even um, uh, very good uh, solar chargers so that other devices can be charged. And there is a there is a, a, a auxiliary uh, line there to Megavoice that's useful. But um, how has this pushed you guys in terms of your dreaming and planning for um, what you want to do next? Yeah, we're all we're constantly looking uh, for the next, so to speak. Um, Mega Voice has been known for the last 30 years as being innovators. And so that's in our DNA. And we want to um, keep innovating to provide the best tools for mission discipleship work. And so, yeah, that's uh, we that's in our DNA. And so the one thing that we've just launched is the, the Bible for the deaf. So the Envision tablet. So where video and audio are important or where just the video is important, um, that's something, a whole new line that we're doing. And so, uh, you know, we, I don't know what's going to be next after that, where we're always improving the different players that we have for different situations. Um, so we work with you know, some of our best stories I'm not allowed to tell because sure. we work with Open Doors and Voice of the Martyrs Absolutely. and other places. Absolutely. So, um, but, so some very creative and wonderful things there, um, which is a lot of fun. And so, yeah, it's, um, it's exciting. Those stories are written on eternity's pages. And I think one day in glory, we're going to find out the, the remarkable and, and awe-inspiring and jaw-dropping ways in which God got his word out 
You know, Mark 13 says that the word must be preached to all nations. Revelation refers to the fact that there'll be from every tribe and every nation, every tongue, those gathered singing the eternal song of redemption and glory. And and you guys are just going to be an amazing part of that, I know. And, um, you know, with with family members and, and friends who have done ministry in hard places and creative access and closed access places. Um, you know, we know that we'll have to just leave those narratives for glory and for heaven um, and know that uh, our God is going to just reap a, a wonderful harvest and we're allowed to be some part of that. As you say, even the, the donkey metaphor, um, I love that because it just keeps us being faithful for our Savior, um, doing what it is that we do, where we do it in, in a variety of ways. Um, I want us to finish our time today with any prayer requests, uh, things that are on your heart for yourself or your family or for the ministry, and then ask you to close in a word of prayer. And I, mm-hmm. I often ask people to pray in their heart language or in their uh, language of choice, and so you can certainly make that determination. Okay. Thank you, Phil. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, thank you. It, it's been a rough year for us. Uh, we've been kind of on a, a roller coaster ride, and... Um, in February, on February 11th, my wife was diagnosed with uh, acute myeloid leukemia mm-hmm. and was put in the hospital that very same day and started chemotherapy the next day. And it was in the hospital for a month. Um, and since then, um, going in era on a monthly basis for seven to eight days uh, for the chemotherapy. And uh, praise the Lord now, she is in remission and trying to get strengthened and recover. So that that personally, that's the prayer request is for her complete and total recovery. Mm-hmm. And so um, that that would be it. But on, on the ministry side, the Lord would give us uh, continued uh, direction and vision uh, and to be able to say no to many of the good things, to be able to say yes to the best. Um that that's always uh, a need for us. Um, and so then I would turn it around on you, Phil. How can I pray for you as, as since I've been asked to pray? That's a wonderful question. I think that our family um, would love and seek the Lord genuinely, um, that we would shine as lights in our community. Um, these are challenging and trying times. Many of the things that we normally do in a missional context have been put on hold or on pause because of the current situation. Uh, and yet we all are circles of influence in our own ways. My my girls at school, um, uh, us with our neighbors, uh, community, our church plant, um, you know, the, the music side of things. And so I think just being faithful to be um, influencing those around us in our circles of influence for, for, for the sake of Christ and for his glory, I think is the biggest thing for us. Um, and not to be weary in well-doing, not to be weary when um, we are waiting on, you know, that psalmic waiting where David is— is always fascinated with the Lord making him wait on things. I think that's been what the world has had to, to face these last uh, many months, uh, is to just see what the Lord will do. And and yet we are to be the light of the world, and we're to be the voice of hope, and we're, we are supposed to be um, grace lived out through being in the hands and the feet of Christ. So I think that's what we would crave, um, is just to be that, that, um, that person, that family for the South Africans around us. Amen. Amen. Okay, let me let me pray. I'm going to start in my heart language. And then because there are probably not a lot of people that understand Portuguese that are listening to this. Um, 
I'll switch to English. Bondoso Deus e Pai, agradecemos pelas oportunidades de, de estarmos reunidos através da tecnologia que podemos estar podendo vir a Tua presença. E eu peço ao Pai que o Senhor esteja abençoando a minha querida esposa, dando cura para ela, total, e para o Ministério de Megapóis, que se abençoe, abençoe a liderança, abençoe as, as finanças necessárias para que podemos realmente uh, fazer o trabalho que temos dado. And Lord, we thank you. We thank you that we can come to you through the power of technology. I thank you for for Phil and this opportunity with this podcast. I thank you for his family and his prayer request is a prayer request that I'm hearing of so many missionaries that um, even though uh, they are maybe a little locked down, we praise you that the gospel is not locked down. We pray that they'll be salt and light and their daughters in school and the interactions with neighbors and that you'll just give new and creative ideas. And I'm just thinking of even with Mega Voice, how um, different churches that were planning on going on mission trips now, because of the virus, can't go. But guess what? They can send Mega Voice players that can go in their place. So these little missionaries are going out. Lord, I pray for um, the ministry of Mega Voice, that you will bless us, uh, bless the those uh, in production, all those that are in the assembly of the even the players that they will be well continue to be well made to last that they will carry your word to those that are still waiting to hear it and understand it so that they can be transformed by your spirit and so that they can be joining us around your throne giving you all praise and all glory and we thank you in your wonderful name the name jesus christ our lord amen I'd love to hear your thoughts and ideas and even future interview subjects about this podcast. If you want to reach out or reach out to those that you heard today, drop me a note at phil.golson at gmail.com. We have a U.S.-based nonprofit called Grace Garden Root Arts Communication and Education set up for donations of financial gifts or items like instruments, uniforms, or even computer equipment for our lab that's administered by Kristen. For more information on Grace, go to www.thewordgrace, followed by K-N-Y-S-N-A dot O-R-G. It's www.gracenisna.org. Also, if you want to read about our team here and the missions model that we use for church planting, discipleship, seminary training, redemptive relationship building through life skills, education, and counseling, go to www.nisnahope.org. That's K-N-Y-S-N-A, hope.org. And that's for more information. What on earth are you doing, for heaven's sake? We'll see you next time.